The following audio is from The Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. Well, good morning again. Uh, I'm glad you're here. If you saw the launch Sunday announcement, we encourage you be here on September 12th. It's a Sunday. We got some things coming up that we really believe God has put in our hearts for what's next as a church. And uh, so we're excited to share a bunch of that on uh, September 12th. Uh, how many of you guys have some favorite foods you like to eat? Yeah, I think probably all of us do. Um, I know that, uh, like, I dig going to Playa Bonita and getting carne asada. Anybody else? Like, man, that's so, the only bummer is you got to cut it up so you, like, eat it when it's getting cooler because it just takes me forever. Um, and then with braces, I have to cut it up into really small pieces. So, okay, you didn't need to know that. Um, anybody been to Terracotta Red in Everett? Yeah, I dig Terracotta Red, great place. Um, I love their Mongolian beef and they have honey chicken, really, really good. And so I love that. Uh, Anthony's, anybody like Anthony's? I used to work at Anthony's years ago. Um, my favorite thing to eat there is uh, alder plank salmon. I love the alder plank salmon, super good. Um, and then I always love a good cheeseburger and I don't necessarily care where it's from, but a good grilled cheeseburger is wonderful. And then finally, um, Thanksgiving. Everything about Thanksgiving is wonderful. And there's something about when you're a kid, you're like, Thanksgiving's lame. All we do is sit around and eat. And as an adult, you're like, we sit around and eat. You know, so it's funny how that works. But man, give me all of the fixings for Thanksgiving. And I love it. Um, what, what are some of your favorite foods? I'd love to hear. And again, if you're watching online, you can throw some favorite foods in the comment section. You'll hear back from some of our team there. But anybody in here want to mention favorite food? Just give me something here. Lasagna. Lasagna. Yeah, lasagna is awesome. Spaghetti and meatballs. That almost made my list, by the way. So good one. What? Oysters. Okay. Awesome. That <laughs> oysters. That's <clears throat> anyway. Pan fried. Even better. I I had pan fried oysters once because I thought it was chicken and it wasn't. So anyway, okay. Let's <laughs> let's keep going on that. One. Other foods. Anyone? Sushi. Another. Yeah, I know oysters are healthy, but okay. Um, sushi. Another another really wonderful. Wonderful wood. Let's move away from the sea. Let's get, get into other. What? Kahlua pork. Mmm, come on. Okay, anyone else? Angel food cake. Okay, now, wait, wait. Colleen, now you're moving us towards dessert, and that's a wonderful thing. So let's talk dessert a little bit. Anybody? What? Vanilla ice cream. You and my wife both. Vanilla ice cream. Okay. What? Root beer floats. Carrot cake. I had carrot cake the other day. Mm, do I look bigger? Because I should be. Okay. Chocolate peanut butter pie. And you make an amazing one, by the way. So we'll keep going. Anyone else? Last one? Strawberry what? Oh, rhubarb. Yeah, strawberry rhubarb is legit. Yes, absolutely. Which, by the way, Noosa makes a strawberry rhubarb yogurt, which is really good too. Anyway, okay, we'll keep going. Um, why, you're like, why am I in church and you're bringing these things up? I didn't need, and your mouth's watering and you're wishing I would dismiss so you can go eat. Here's the deal. Every one of us has like foods that we crave. You've got a certain thing where you're like, man, I can't wait for date night when we're gonna go out to and we're gonna eat or you're gonna grill at home or you're gonna cook something at home. And we look forward to it and we crave these things. But I think we all know that we don't only crave food. And the truth is to just make it simple. You and I are wired to crave this spiritual dynamic. You and I are wired to crave God. And I know that's a weird way to say it, but I really want to hone in on this because I think it's a bigger deal than we would ever make it. I'm going to talk about why here 
in a minute. We're gonna be in Mark 14, and I'm just gonna warn you right now, I'm gonna do a ton of reading today. So you're gonna have to navigate with me, think through what I'm reading, but we're made to crave. And, and I've said last week, when you look at Mark 11, that's the beginning of the last week of Jesus' life. Jesus comes into Jerusalem and he clears the temple and he teaches crowds and all this stuff happens. The religious leaders are getting more and more frustrated. In fact, a whole chapter is dedicated to Jesus' encounter with religious leaders and it doesn't go well for them. And, and they're so mad that they're ready to have him killed. As time goes on, Judas gets upset because a woman breaks a, a bottle of perfume and pours it on Jesus' feet and it's worth like a year's wages. Can you imagine? Like, let's call it like a, like a $50,000, $100,000 bottle of perfume. And, and Judas, who's actually greedy, gets upset about it. And, and, and is like, man, you know, what? I'm gonna have him betray because I don't like this at all. And so he goes in and, and says, yes, I will betray Jesus. When you get to Mark chapter 14, Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples and we call this the last supper. And so Jesus is having the last supper and then he's trying to teach them a few last things before he navigates towards the cross and his arrest, all that stuff. And he said, hey, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Hey, take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood. You know, do this in remembrance. And so we do that. We call it a sacrament communion or the Holy Eucharist. But we do that regularly to be reminded that the center of our faith is the broken body of Christ and the blood that was shed. And then Jesus says, just so you know, all of you are gonna fall away on account of me because it was prophesied that they'll strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. And that's Zechariah uh, 13 verse seven. And, and Peter steps in and says, no, 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 that's not gonna happen. In fact, if all of these clowns deny you, I'm not going to, that's my version, not the Bible's version. But Peter basically says, if they all do, I'm not going to. And, and, and Jesus says, no, no, in fact, before the rooster crows three times uh, or two times, you're gonna disown me three times. And Peter's like, no, 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 Jesus, that's not gonna happen. Peter's still got these issues with trying to challenge Jesus' authority. But anyway, um, so Peter's like, that's not gonna happen. They go to the garden of Gethsemane after this. And this is a place where Jesus regularly would go to pray. And he brings the disciples and, and, and he, he says, hey, Peter, James, and John, come with me a little bit. So the other disciples are hanging back. Um, he goes over here and he's praying and then he goes by himself and he begins to pray and, and he specifically prays a, a deep, deep prayer. Um, and, and I'm gonna read, and this is where I'm gonna read a whole bunch. So bear with me. And again, if you're online, just, just follow along here with me here. But it says, they went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them, stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he found them sleeping again because their eyes were heavy. They didn't know what to say. Returning a third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough, the hour has come. Look, the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the 12, appeared. With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. 
Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said rabbi and kissed him. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Am I leading a rebellion, Jesus said, that you've come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you in the temple courts and you didn't arrest me, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. It's a weird verse, but most theologians agree that's probably Mark, the writer of this gospel. They took Jesus to the high priests and all the chief priests, elders, and teachers of the law came together. If you remember in this series, I've been talking a lot about the religious leaders. Here we are again, and, and Jesus is before them. Peter followed at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. There he sat with the guards and warmed himself at the fire, the chief priests took, uh, excuse me, the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death, but they didn't find any. Many testified falsely against him, but their statements didn't agree. Then some stood up and gave a false testimony against him. We heard him say, I will destroy this man-made temple and in three days will build another not made by man. Yet even their testimony didn't agree. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed one? I am, said Jesus. And you will see the son of man coming on the cloud, sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his clothes. We don't, why do we need any more witnesses? He asked, you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They all condemned him as worthy of death. Then some began to spit at him. They blindfolded him, struck him with their fists and said, prophesy. And the guards took him and beat him. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with the Nazarene Jesus, she said, but he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about. He said, and, and went, uh, and we went, and went, excuse me, I went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near Peter said, surely you are one of them for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses on himself and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him before the rooster crows twice you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. Chapter 15, very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law and the whole Sanhedrin reached a decision. They bound Jesus and led him away and handed him over to Pilate. Remember, Jesus is condemned to die by Israel, but they didn't have the right to do capital punishment because they were under Roman occupation and had to get permission. So now he goes to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? Asked Pilate. Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they're accusing you of? But Jesus still made no reply and Pilate was amazed. Now it was a custom at the feast to release the prisoner whom the people had requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in an uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? 
asked Pilate, knowing it was out of envy that the chief priests handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why, what crime has he committed? Pilate asked. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. The soldiers led Jesus away into the place that is the, praetor, the palace, that is the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. They began to call to him, hail king of the Jews. Again and again, they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him, falling on their knees. They paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put on his own clothes and led him out to be crucified. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he didn't take it and they crucified him, dividing up his clothes. They cast lots to see what each would get. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The written notice of charge against him read, the king of the Jews. They crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, so you who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, come down for the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said. Why can't he save himself? Let this Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing nearby heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah one man, ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a stick and offered it to him. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. He said, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last breath. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus heard his cry and saw how he died, he said, surely this man was a son of God. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, the younger, and of Joseph and Salome. In Galilee, these women who had followed him, uh, they cared for his needs. Many other, women, excuse me, many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. It was the preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph Arimathea, a prominent member of the council who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of the rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, 
They saw the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they lay him? But go and tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Why do I read all that? Why do I take time to go through the whole process of Jesus' trial and crucifixion? There's something about the entirety of this story, you guys, that is the cornerstone of the Christian faith. That for many of us that have been in church world for any length of time, we know this story pretty well. And it gets read or talked about every Easter and we celebrate that he's risen and that's great. But I bring it up today to remind us at the end of a series called Up Next Hope, that there's hope to be had in the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in the world that we live in, that sometimes pulls our energy towards things that, that drive fear, that raise up anxiety, that cause a stirring in us that all of a sudden the things of this world begin to overwhelm the things of the spirit in our lives we need to be reminded at the core of the message of the gospel. And by the way, the message of the gospel is the message of God's incredible love. Why do I bring it up today? Because when you look at the story and you see what Jesus did, you could say it was, it was the Roman empire that gave permission and so it's on Rome. You could say, well, what about Israel and the religious leaders? You've made a big deal. Nick, throughout this series, of their anger and jealousy of having him killed because they didn't like him at all. But do we realize in Christian theology that in fact the story of Jesus and him being crucified is actually on you and on me? Maybe you're not aware of this. Maybe you've never heard it put that way before. You could say it, it's, it's Rome, it's Israel, it's the Jews. They did it. But at the end of the day, why did it happen? Because Paul says that when sin entered the world, that all of a sudden there was a dividing line between us and a holy God because of sin. And Paul says every one of us is guilty of sin, of missing the mark, of doing things wrong. But the good news is that God cared for you and I too much to leave us stuck in sin. Jesus himself in the garden said what? As he agonized in prayer, Abba, Father. You know what Abba means? It's daddy. It's an intimate word that Jesus refers to God in that form, dad. Jesus literally says, I don't want to go to the cross. He says, take the cup from me. I don't want to do that. But in God's great love for you and God's great love for me, you know what sentence followed? I don't want to go. But I want your will far more than mine. I want to do what you've asked me to do far more than I want to do what I wish I could do. See, the story of the message of the gospel 
in a series where we say up next hope is the story of a God who loves us so unbelievably that John in the gospel of John would put it this way. God became flesh and made his dwelling among us and would then pay the price to open up the doors in relationship between him and us. When you read the story of Jesus' crucifixion, it says that at the moment that he breathes his last breath, a ways away in the temple, the curtain was ripped in two. Do you know what that means? It was no longer man going to the priests that would go before God for you and I, but now access for you and me to God himself. So, so Jesus is in the upper room at the last supper. It's a fancy way of saying the last time they'd have dinner together until eternity. And what happened in that room? Jesus taught about living as a servant. Jesus reminded the disciples that, that just like I had mentioned last week, the three times that he said, I'm going to be killed, I'm going to be buried, and on the third day, I'm going to rise again. He reminds the disciples of the same thing in a different way by doing what we call Eucharist, communion. He broke bread and he gave it to the disciples and he said, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance. And after, cup, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. And you can imagine the disciples like kind of a weird deal. And then he turned to the disciples and said, just so you know, y'all are gonna deny me. And Peter, Peter says, if they all do, I'm not gonna. And Jesus says, Peter, the rooster's gonna crow twice later on today. But right before that, three times, you're gonna deny me in a row. And Peter's like, no, I'm not. It's like one, two, three, not it. I mean, really, that's good. Put it in modern day here. One, two, three, not it. And the disciples like, not it, not it, not it. They all said, no, we're not. And when you read the story of Jesus being led away from the garden, do you know that in that story, it says that, that, that one of the disciples grabbed a sword and cut off a guy's ear? You remember that part? You know who that was? Ah, Peter. Love you, Peter. You're great. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Put it away. They arrest Jesus, and what does it say right after they drag him away? All the disciples fled. And Jesus is, is being brought into the, the, the courtyard, and there's, there's kind of a ledge in an upper area where they're putting him on trial illegally, by the way. And Peter manages to sneak into the lower part of this area, and there's a fire, and Peter's there, and he's warming himself, kind of freaking out, like, I'm, I'm here, Jesus is over there, something bad's going on. And a little girl says, hey, aren't, aren't you with him? Peter's like, no. And a little time goes by and she looks again and is like, but you were with him. You're with him. Peter's like, no, I'm not. Peter moves over to a doorway and is hanging out and all of a sudden the guards 
You are a Galilean and, and you're with him. And, and Peter emphatically, and some would even say, called down curses, like used four letter words. Like, I swear to God, I'm not with him. I don't know him at all. That's my version of a rooster. So I'm, I know that doesn't do justice to it. And I forgive me for that. But in that moment that Peter says, I don't know him and the rooster crows and Peter has this wash come over him. And what happens? It says he wept bitterly. Can you imagine being Peter in that moment? What have I done? Exactly what I said I wouldn't do. Peter runs away. And at a distance, Jesus is tried and found guilty and goes before Pilate and Rome and they decide he should be crucified and they get the full permission. One of the rare times that Rome and Israel would be in cahoots together and Jesus is crucified. And then as you get into Mark 16, it talks about these women over and over, which is significant. But, but they went to the tomb first to go and visit. And they wanted to just bring burial spices and mourn because they loved him. And it says they showed up. And they're wondering, like, none of us is strong enough to roll this tomb away. Like, what are we going to do? And, like, and you can imagine, like, I mean, you just kind of got to put yourself there. Like, what are we going to do? We can't roll. We're not, nobody's strong enough. Like, you're not strong enough. They look up like, oh, look, the stone's rolled away. Okay. Anyway, it's probably, I know it sounds like I'm Mickey Mouse. I'm sorry. I don't mean to, but... I said, that's your impression of women? I'm leaving this church. I understand. I, I get it. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do it that way. But literally, they're walking along and literally saying, like, who's going to roll the stone? And it's, they, oh, it's already rolled away. And so you can imagine, like, what is going on here? And they've got these spices. And by the way, you're talking probably multiple, multiple pounds, you know, tens, 20, 30 pounds of spices they would bring. And, and they go in, and, and, and he's not there. And there, there's, a, there's a, a guy in white that specifically gives us the narration. Don't be alarmed, which that would be the first thing they would be. Don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. Look at the place where he lay. But go and tell his disciples, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Now, why do I make such a big deal out of it? The reason I make such a big deal out of it is because as I said last week, Jesus predicted that he would be killed, he would be dead, and on the third day he would rise again. And my point last week was, if you ever meet somebody who says, I'm gonna be killed, but three days later, I'm gonna rise again, you should listen to what they have to say. And I would repeat the same thing today, listen very carefully. Jesus paid the price so you and I could be forgiven. In God's great love for you and God's great love for me and to deal with the issue of the sin that separates us from God, he paid the price so a bridge could be made that we could have access and relationship with a God who loves us that much. That's the best news ever. What is that, barely a golf clap? Deschambeau approaches the third tee. <laughs> Got out a driver. A little bit of wind coming from the east here. He's going to have to be where the tree is on the left. There's a bunker right off the green to the right. And tees it up. Great swing. Ooh, look at the arc. Wind's carrying it just a little bit. Ooh, just falls right before the pin. What a shot. 
the angel that appears to the women at the tomb says what? Don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they lay him, but go tell his disciples. And Peter, noticed that before? It's not just go tell his disciples. It's go tell his disciples and Peter. Where was Peter? Disillusioned. Where was Peter feeling like a failure? Where was Peter finding his identity in what he failed to do? And where do you and I find ourselves sometimes? in a world that pulls us all kinds of directions and fallen prey to stupid things and feeling shame come over us at times. I know better. I should enough. I wish I never. Can God ever forgive me? Go! Tell the disciples. And Blake, go! Tell the disciples. Go, tell the disciples and Diane. Go, tell the disciples and Peter. He's risen. What does it mean for me and you? Why is that such a big deal? Because in a world that pulls us all kinds of ways, our identity is not in our failure, our identity is in Christ. And we've got to be reminded of that regularly. And yes, I'm passionate about it. Why? Because we do blow it. Because we do mess up. Because we do disobey. Because we struggle to find forgiveness. Because we struggle to get past a certain thing. Because we trip ourselves up over things. And this is not, please hear me, this is not a message of cheap grace. Pray a prayer and do whatever you want to do and you'll eventually get to heaven. That's cheap grace. I'm talking about that. I'm talking about just like Peter, we blow it sometimes. It's not an excuse to blow it, but it's realizing that his grace is enough. That I'm not defined by my failure. Anybody ever blown it? Yeah, the rest of you just lied, so now you did. (laughs) We've all blown it. We've all found ourselves struggling with, can I be forgiven again? Does God still care? Is he now just finally, eternally angry with me? And I need you to understand the answer is no. Go tell the disciples and Peter. Go see him in Jerusalem. At the end of John, the gospel, Peter's out fishing, feeling like a chump. And Jesus is at the shore. And there's this incredible encounter, but Peter is specifically restored by Jesus. God extends his grace to you today because maybe you feel like you're identified by your failure. Because maybe you feel like 
ah, this whole kind of spiritual journey thing. I've done my thing. I've sown my wild oats. But can I just tell you something? God's grace is still extended. Do you know that Jesus said in John 15, 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything I've learned from the Father I've made known to you. Friends. John 1, 12. Yet to all who received him, to all who believed in his name, he's given the right to become children of God. Go tell the disciples and Peter. And this is the testimony, 1 John 5. God has given us life. And this life is found in his son. He who has the son has life. He who doesn't have the son doesn't have life. God extends that grace to you. And if you want to hold on to hope in a world that's polarizing, if all you spend your time on is 24-hour news cycles, you're not living in hope. (laughs) Just be honest. Looking at the latest theory of what's going on and I realize, I get it. I, I, I see the same stuff you see on vaccines or no vaccines or masks or no masks and how dare or whatever. And I'm like, look, I'm just about the gospel of Christ. I wanna help people see Jesus. I want people to see grace pouring from me. His love pouring from me. I don't care which side of whatever aisle you're on. I don't care. I'm more interested in what are you doing with Jesus because he calls you out. He calls me out. And that's what I want to anchor myself to. Peter said, I won't deny you. Specifically, I won't deny you. Yes, you will. No, I won't. No, I don't really know who that is. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know the man. Go, the angel says. Tell the disciples and Peter. Father, today, I pray that we would well up with gratitude. I pray this message would come alive in a new way. I pray that we would would extend our lives into your grace again. That Lord, in all kinds of ways, it's so easy to identify with our mistakes, with our regrets, with the things we've done wrong. That we feel the shame of it and we kind of pull away from where we're at with you. Even so, when we do that, we actually move towards the things of the world even more. And I pray, God, today that pattern would stop in lives. And I pray your joy would rise up. And I pray people would see your arms extended, Father. I pray that, Lord, again, people sitting at home right now or people in this room live, that, God, your spirit would do a work in every single one of us, tearing down every dividing wall, every reason why we've extended ourselves beyond God's grace, why we're not good enough, why we don't measure up, why we keep tripping over, that that somehow, God, you're just angry, displeased, we can't do it, you're finally done, we crossed that line. No, lies. I pray that we be reminded of all that you've done in your great love, that we crave your truth. We crave the work of your spirit. We crave that grace. We crave that forgiveness. Jesus, open our hearts to what you want to do. It's in your name, God, that we surrender and thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. It's in his name we pray. 
Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.